0: Let's face it, running a construction company can be chaotic. As business owners, we wear a lot of hats and we're constantly putting out fires. Luckily, there's a way to work simpler with Builder trend I'm a huge advocate for using technology to help run AFT, and Build-A-Trend is one of the most crucial tools I rely on to keep me on top of every detail. Built just for home builders and remodelers, this is an easy-to-use platform that helps manage all aspects of my business. My team's been using Builder trends project management platform for the last five years, And we love that they're always improving and adding new features to make our lives easier. This is something that we've really tried to take on internally to find ways to improve our system every day. Build-A-Trend just released a full set of financial services, added new tools like Takeoff to make estimates more accurate, and launched a total rebrand with a new mission to help change the future of construction, and we are on board. To learn more about how Build-A-Trend can help calm the chaos in your construction business, Visit buildatrend.com/aft. When you schedule a demo, you'll receive an exclusive 60-day money-back guarantee only available to my podcast listeners. I'm following Build-A-Trend into the future in construction. Come on board with us. We are super excited to announce that we have our fourth Contractor Coalition Summit happening in Austin, Texas this fall. Come out and visit with us on September 14th, Thursday. Conference will end on Sunday, September 17th. We're going to have an amazing collection of builders all throughout the country. Uh, some amazing vendors will be there in support. We're also going to have a session on construction, instruction with Marc La LaLiberté, which is going to be part of the summit. Just amazing content, networking, uh, ways that all of us can enhance our brand, our product, and especially our organization, looking down to the very core of who we are as builders and how we're operating to make sure that we're operating at the highest level. The camaraderie and the knowledge shared between all the builders and the teachers that come to instruct are super valuable. So make sure you sign up for the Contractor Coalition Summit again. Whether you're a new company just starting out in your first couple of weeks of business, or your seasoned company, there's going to be plenty of information, and it's super valuable to attend. So we'll see you in Austin.
1: Biophilic design is is really a buzzword, but it's been around since the 70s, and it's the innate human desire to be connected to nature. You think about, you know, how much we love going to the ocean or you know, being around a campfire and it really rejuvenates us. And the science points to that a hundred percent and the research just keeps coming. And so I think a lot since COVID as people have been in their houses and they realize, gosh, this isn't a really productive, healthy place to be. Biophilic design has come to the forefront and said, look, we can give you the answers. We can give you all these great ideas to make your home a sanctuary.
0: So welcome to the podcast today. We're very fortunate to have Sarah Walker with us today. Welcome, Sarah
1: thank you so much for having me
0: yeah this is a long time coming you know we've been in contact for a little while and uh to give you a brief intro here so sarah's the principal and interior designer and owner of nuance interior design and you know the big thing we're gonna be speaking about is luxury sustainable interior design which is not too common you know we've been fortunate to work on some sustainable homes and um you know the interior design aspect is a big part of that and not many designers you know have taken you know this leads So kudos on that.
1: Thank you. It's something we feel really passionate about and so much has changed in the industry. So many innovations and we love to see that. and want to be at the forefront.
0: So maybe we start there. Like how did, what um, drew up your interest in sustainability when it comes into your design?
1: It actually started, uh, I would say back in college, I did my honors thesis on that intersection of high-end residential and luxury. At the time, gosh, 20 years ago, there really, if you remember, wasn't a lot going on in green design that was attractive. It was a lot of uh, what felt like aesthetic compromising. You would get, you remember the, the DuPont countertops with recycled content in it, and it would be like chips of recycled green or blue glass and they would be like, Look at this amazing countertop. Isn't it fabulous? And we'd be like, That's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Where are we <laughs> going to use that? And so um, I actually got a grant from the university to delve into what's happening in that sector. And it was uh, eye opening that the really h- sustainable products were very expensive. And the, you know, more available products to the masses were really unattractive. And so what I've been doing basically my whole career is following that and trying to really search out vendors that are pushing the envelope for doing both aesthetically pleasing pieces, whether it's plumbing, countertops, cabinetry, finishes, tile, any of those things, and doing it well and doing it sustainably. And not just greenwashing it and saying, you know, we're you know, saving the environment, look at our recycled content, but really going a step farther and saying, what are your certifications? Visiting the factories and saying, you know, what are the facilities like? What is your waste like? Um, so I, I've spent a lot of time both on my residential side and also working with Nordstrom, doing store design for seven years and um, bringing those initiatives to Nordstrom too.
0: I'm going to come back to that because I noticed, you know, just in prepping for this that you, you know, you've worked on design of like 142 Nordstrom. So that, you know, pegged my curiosity there, but we'll come back to that. But what's interesting about, you know, you and I essentially were in college around the same time. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I remember everything was green build, right? Like lead certified green build, yeah. a lot different than what we're seeing now with building science and net zero sustainability. I mean, it's completely shifted, you know, our understanding of building and, even how it impacts, you know, a big thing that we have clients asking for now F is we had some clients asking this pre-COVID, but especially since COVID, as they're looking at like VOCs, right? Mm-hmm. The volatile um, organic compound that goes into the air, you know, the off-gassing from fumes of furniture they're putting in sofas, uh, the paint we're using in the home. Uh, you know, wellness is a huge part of that. And there's two aspects. You have the wellness side, the health side, which I know you can speak on and we can talk about, but more importantly, the uh, sustainability, what you're mentioning when you're talking about vetting your vendors and suppliers, you know, are you, what are your certifications? How are you doing with waste? Um, you know, I was out at Kohler and Kohler's the Ansex line, right? Where they're using a ton of their waste and the crane tile. But what's amazing to your point is you specifically said that, you know, pre early on, you know, the designs were terrible, they weren't good. And now that's completely different.
1: Right. Right, and that's been so rewarding as I focus on interior design, and and now we see a fabulous intersection between luxury design and sustainable design, but it's also more accessible to every price point, where the brands have already put the technology in place at the fabrication level, and it just goes to all their different price points. And so you're getting recycled packaging, whether it's a $10,000 faucet or a $2,000 faucet or you know, a $200 faucet doesn't matter. You're still getting the benefit of that technology because brands are really pushing the envelope. And I think largely because of consumers.
0: So consumer demand is definitely high on this. You know, I think a lot of us are more aware, especially as wasteful as we could be here in the U.S. How many brands that you're working with um, are at the forefront? How, how is this changing with the manufacturers?
1: Really, what we've done is, I've built a showroom, 3,000 square feet, and I've filled it with only brands that have a sustainable initiative. So that's something that's incredibly important to me as a designer, that I create a local resource in the community. We partner, I would say, predominantly with builders and architects, and we let them know that there are really beautiful options that they can use in projects. And just letting people know that there are those solutions. And the more demand there is for it, the more brands will understand that that's something that elevates their brand if they're actually putting those sustainable components into you know, their production, into their packaging, into their shipping, whatever it is. So we're seeing that more and more often. And I, I love your platform because you can encourage other builders and architects and designers to say, it's out there, look for it, and then spec it, and don't feel like you have to settle.
0: Yeah, I love that. And so, from the showroom, it's pretty amazing that you've already built the showroom. Well, first, I think we have to give you some kudos because I believe in your uh, market and area, you're the only one, right, where people can come right. in hands-on, and you have a full, you know, interior design studio.
1: Yes, we're the only interior design studio that has a showroom, and what it means for our clients and our our trade partners, our builders and architects, is that they're able to come in and touch and fill all the cabinets, really have an immersive experience. They're able to see in one place, a uh, elevated selection. So we do a lot of high-end custom homes and the resources are that you typically, the typical model is you go to 10 different showrooms and you pick out your tile, you pick out your cabinets, your plumbing, and we've put it all in one place. So you can literally spec, an entire new construction or large renovation from our showroom. Plus, of course, we have accounts with hundreds of other brands that we can pull from. But our goal is to make it a raise awareness around sustainability, that it can be really beautiful and it can come at multiple price points.
0: And so if I understand correctly, I mean, this question is kind of two parts. Everything in your showroom is sustainable. So everything in there is sustainable. Mm -hmm. How have you found... That many vendors, that wide array, that selection—you know—I would imagine that's taken some time, not just to research and vet them, as you mentioned, you're doing, but to, you know, essentially be a member with them, be a partner with them, mm-hmm. have product, you know, showcase in your showroom. I mean, there's a lot of steps to this.
1: Yeah, it's really been a long time coming. To be honest, our showroom's been around for about two years, and I've been a designer for over 17. So. I started in college making relationships with brands such as Ansaks, for example. Um, and so now I'm actually a national brand ambassador for them. And I get to, you know, we've have a couple of projects where we've specified their waste lab project that uh, you mentioned. And um, we basically go to each brand and we ask them, what is your sustainability story? What are your certifications? Uh, occasionally we'll go visit the factory so for example we carry a German line of cabinets went to Germany visited their factory uh, it was an incredible experience to see the level of robotics that are there uh, so that they can really precisely catalog scrap pieces and reuse them instead of throwing away you know pieces of of a certain size. They also um, have less than five percent waste in their factory and that five percent is you know wood, particles that just get burned to heat the factory. So they're like at carbon neutral at that point. And, uh, some of the brands we work with, like for wood flooring, they plant a tree Uh, when we, uh, sell green guard certified Hunter Douglas window coverings, we're planting a tree with every window covering order. So we go, and we're very specific that this is an important thing. If you're going to be in our showroom, you have to have a sustainable story. And, um, we, really narrow down the products within the line that are sustainable as well.
0: How, how does that affect pricing as you're looking at budgeting and clients, you know, to have anything sustainable, is there deviation there based on, you know, competitive products?
1: Occasionally we'll see that, you know, sometimes the higher end products will have more recycled content Um, they'll have more of the innovation that goes into creating a carbon neutral company. I think that does take some investment on the company side. And as a result, sometimes their prices are higher. But what I'm seeing is kind of the trickle down effect of brands, even smaller brands stepping up and saying, you know, this adds to our value, let's do it. And so it's becoming less and less of a deciding factor when when it comes to price, I would say, Occasionally it happens, you know, but you look at Cambria, their prices have come down and they used to be, you know, one of the most sustainable lines for countertop for quartz countertops. And so I think that's really indicative of the market um, that, you know, that's the supply and demand. And we really want to be a part of that demand.
0: Now, do you ever get any pushback from clients or um, builders you're working with, you know, and, and probably more clients that would be. You know, maybe they want sustainability, but there may be a few options that don't fit. You know, maybe the the scheme or color or or end goal of the house. You know, how does that work when you're working with the client from the decision process as well as the builder from to the implementation and install?
1: Absolutely, our goal is to always meet the client where they are and maybe push them a little bit to embrace green design. We're lucky that we're in the Pacific Northwest, which is a very green centric place. And so for the most part, I would say clients are really on board with that. I don't think that that's maybe a deciding factor for them. um, But the fact that we can present them options and just say this is part of the package, it's within your budget because we're already considering that when we present them options. And then, you know, we'll give them a couple. And and to be honest, both of them are going to be sustainable. We don't really run into any pushback from the builder because they're going to be able to install it there's not really any difference, you know, if the tile's more recycled or less recycled content.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt. From an install perspective, there's, there's not much complication from their side. Uh, I think what's unique about what you're doing from the design side as well is sustainability is one aspect, but you also have a detailed design book with QR codes.
1: Yes. Yes. So we're in a, in addition to being very focused on the green, and the technology that goes with it, we've integrated a lot of that technology into our company with how we streamline processes. And I think that speaks to reducing waste throughout the process, whether it's you know with materials and recycled content or waste with um, spec books that aren't very clear and cause confusion on the builder side where things have to get, rip, get be ripped out and done again. So what we do is we have a digital spec book that for the most part lives in the cloud and so it's a live document, it's always the latest, it's always up to date, and it has a QR code on site. So in a bathroom, the plumber can go in and scan the QR code and get the entire spec book for installation of the faucet or placement of the mirror, the, whatever it is um, that anyone needs from any trade, it's there.
0: So with the QR code, so this is something that you're setting up in your design book, uh, not the builder. And so everything's prepared for them. So essentially the builder, let's say in your design book, as you mentioned, it could be by category, by bathroom or plumbing fixtures. Mm-hmm. You have it all laid out where they can just essentially take that QR code, post it um, in the field, or they can have it on their software whatever it may be. And then uh, everyone on site has that access.
1: Exactly. And that way, you know, even the client, if they're walking through on their own, they can scan it and say, oh yeah, that's the rendering that we remember." and looks like everything's exactly where it should be. That's really our goal is to streamline the process and make the builders and any um, artisan's job easier. At the end of the day, we really um, took to heart, I guess, a lot of your podcasts with Luann, where you talked <laughs> about like how that partnership should be. And we really pivoted um, how we do our spec books. So actually we have a page or more for each trade so that the plumber isn't, you know digging through a bunch of other specs for other people he literally has a magnified drawing of how many inches apart the faucet is from the soap dispenser from the air switch you know it's all there and that's really important to us and then it relates to that qr code so that you know they're not looking for a missing piece of paper
0: it's funny you bring that up because just to give a little context so um what sarah speaking about is so Luann Nogueira, who's a huge podcaster, especially in the design community. I mean, she's like the rock star for interior designers. And I was introduced to her and she was actually a guest on my podcast first early on. I mean, it was essentially my first year. I started my podcast about three years ago. And uh, I made a comment when she was on that I won't do a project without an interior designer. And she like freaked out. <laughs> she's like <laughs> She's like, no way. And, and then right after the episode, she's like, Brad, you got to come on mine. And we've, we spent a lot of time just because, um, there's so much value, right, in what our interior designers do in, in the community. And really, a, a lot of our success as a builder is attributed to the talent of our designers for many reasons, right? Not just detail, specs, organization, um, efficiency. Uh, I could go on and on, but also the marketing value, right? There's so much upside mm-hmm. to working with designers. It just, my, my team will shoot me if we don't have one. So it's mm-hmm. just it's too hard. Um, but what's interesting is today, so we're in the process, we just had a production meeting and we're in the process of rebuilding our website. And part of that is we're trying to create some really informative information for our potential clients, you know, and, and one of that, we're going to have a handout and brochure and we're going to use a lot of marketing stuff that I'm going to build around this, you know, over the, you know, the, the, uh, the next year or so, but essentially establishing roles, you know, for everyone involved in a custom home designer specifically, and, as we were breaking down the roles of a designer today, in in our opinion, you know, and how that relationship works Mm -hmm. really well. It was interesting because our team said, you know, some of the really good designers have not just a design book, but they actually separate it by category, right? They have, you know, so to your point, the plumber, the, the metal fabricator, the cabinet company, they have a resource where they can find this stuff and you're already doing that. And so I can just tell you from my life as a builder and for the client, I mean, it just, it is so advantageous. And the fact that you take another level of QR codes, I mean, it just, um, it's definitely at another level. Mm
1: -hmm. We've really thought, I've, you know, have experience with certification and construction management. And so being able to understand what happens on a job site walk with a contractor and understanding, you know, what kind of questions come up for a builder and what are their subs asking? You know, we've done enough trade days now where it's easier if it's broken down by room. In my experience, it's easier if it's broken down by room. And then each room has the different trades. It has the different schedules so that the plumber gets his own schedule. The tile setter gets their own schedule. And then all the codes align with the drawings. So it it just paints a really clear picture for the builder and all of the artisans involved. And, and that's one of the best ways that we translate sustainability into the field is, by reducing waste from mistakes and it also saves money and time, you know, for for you and for the clients, and streamlining that process has really become a, a pillar of our business.
0: So if I were to call you and I know this it it's open-ended because there's a lot of variables, but f- from the time you're engaged, if you had the position open your calendar you know, walk us through the timeline because there's so much time to go into all the selections, documentation, implementation, Mm -hmm. you know, QR codes. What does that process look like from a time perspective for a potential client or contractors? They reach out and you're putting together that design book.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we have basically a six step process. We do a really deep dive initial consultation with the architect, the builder and the clients. And typically we're brought on, you know, maybe a little before right at permit stage. So lot of the drawings are well on their way the builder is engaged in kind of doing those feasibility studies and we're coming in and we're going to be understanding the aesthetics the budget the timeline of the build and what what the scope of the project is and we're going to really be focused on asking those questions um what are the key things for the client what are their likes and dislikes what are their goals because ultimately I say our signature is to create sanctuaries for our clients. We really work with a lot of busy professionals, high level executives, and they want somewhere that they can decompress. And so what does that mean to them? And then once we get that information, we do a conceptual design, which is about 80% of the selections. It's um, pictures from us and the client that we've collaborated on and maybe the architect. And then we're gonna present that to the client so that they can really get a sense of the direction that we're going. After we've really put kind of a, a loose spec book together, we're gonna to give that to the builder for pricing. And then if anything needs to be adjusted because of you know labor or availability, anything like that, we make those adjustments and then create that final spec book with all of the QR codes, all of the entire spec book down to you know the grout color the grout joint size, every detail that we can possibly do. And then it goes into execution phase. So because of our showroom, we can actually handle quite a bit of the procurement for the builder if he wants, or we can, you know, hand that off to the builder either way. And then, then we move into the installation phase where we're, you know, installing the blinds, the furnishings, the accessories, doing the punchless walkthrough and styling.
0: How often are the clients, um, Engaging you past, not just to design the house, but in furniture. And you mentioned window coverings and wallpaper, possibly mm-hmm. um, just coordinating really the full turnkey of the project.
1: That's, I would say, 90% of the time. We very rarely have a client that isn't using us all the way for furnishings because we tend to do it almost simultaneously with the spec book. There's a lot of consideration that we take into, is this a furniture piece that's going to be built in? Or is it going to be a freestanding piece? And so, because we're doing both the hard built surfaces and casework, we're also looking at the furnishings at the same time. We're able to make those decisions with the client in real time.
0: Yeah, which is always super valuable. When I mean, when you have the, you know, the whole package, if you will.
1: Mm-hmm. From
0: you know, here in Arizona, I'm curious. Um, in Washington, we our, our permit process is really long, so a lot of you know, a lot of the pushback, or at least until we walk through the process and education of, of, you know, the timeline, if you will, is, well, if I hire a designer, it's going to take time. Got to make selections, you know, without understanding, well, just like anything, if you plan, fail the plan, you plan to fail, right? So if you have it decided before you start, it's going to go way faster anyways. So it's okay to hit the reset button or wait a little bit until you have that information. Regardless, in Arizona, I mean, if, if, if you were to call me and say, Sarah and say, Brad, come build our home you know, we're at least a year out to permit. And the reason being, you have to go through architecture and plans and
1: Mm -hmm. HOA
0: submittals, you know, and civil. And I mean, there's so many aspects, plus into design then we submit for permit, price it, and then we can start construction. So our designers really don't get a lot of pushback because once we have floor plan elevations, they have, you know, four, six months, you know, to put this together. Mm -hmm. Um, Timeline, do you ever feel crunched as a designer that you don't have enough time to put the design book, you know, and when you do, which I imagine does happen on occasion, you know, Mm -hmm. how do you fight through those expectations and set those clear expectations with either the builder and or client?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's twofold. I think the hardest thing that we deal with is getting brought in late in the process. I know in preaching to the choir, bring a designer on early Mm -hmm. because it informs so much of the schedule and so much of the pricing and it can be done so much cleaner with an actual concrete selection rather than an allowance. So. I would say the biggest issue we have is, you know, a a builder or an architect trying to take that on themselves and realizing that they might not have the resources that they need to really build out a high-end custom home. Not always the case, but sometimes. The other thing that we run into is um, really a benefit of having our showroom is it cuts the design time about in half. Uh, We have showrooms that are all over in kind of industrial areas or maybe not as super nice of areas, parts of town. And so a lot of our clients really don't want to go to the showrooms and they don't, you know, the ones they do are kind of far away and it takes a whole day to go there, make selections. Then you have to go to another showroom on a different day, different part of town, and it can add months. You know, you have these busy professionals. They don't have time to, you know, just spend a week going to 20 different showrooms. So being able to consolidate it in one place, literally, um, cuts it down from six months to three months as far as a design schedule. So if we're, you know, focusing on a few clients, which we do, we probably only take about 10 to 12 large projects a year. We're able to move through that process quite rapidly just because we have a showroom with so many resources at our fingertips.
0: It's incredible. So because you're one of the only showrooms, as you mentioned in town, I mean, the only one really, Mm -hmm. um, of course, the efficiency is a huge part of it, and that's convenient for your clients and expedites the process, which is a win-win for everybody. Do you ever have other designers or, um, you know, people in your network that are wanting to use the facility outside of just what you're doing there at Nuance Design?
1: So, we're the showroom is pretty exclusive to our clients, but we do help designers with window coverings. That's something that we work a lot with builders, architects, and designers a la carte. So if they want to come in for those items or cabinetry, because we have one of the, if not only largest, um, most extensive cabinetry displays in the state, everything in here is custom. Uh, We have two lines, an American line and a German line. So it's very um, diverse options. And so we do uh, share that with other trade partners as well.
0: So it sounds like, and and I'm pretty familiar, with you know especially when you're dealing with european lines and german lines with cabinetry um are are you the actual dealer yourself so you have the license and you're doing all the cabinet drawings and ordering and specifications and putting that together
1: exactly yep so we kind of have a couple different divisions we really have the showroom that can do either window coverings or cabinetry a la carte for people we have the full service turnkey interior design and then we also do window coverings for like multifamily. um You know, just onesie, twosie type things, too. So, really, a couple different options for people.
0: This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows, and they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam—they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers. Because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. They're, their are company culture, their integrity, their honesty. You know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra-contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. Now, the clients that are coming in education-wise, uh, I, I know clients are demanding a lot more sustainability. They're aware. They're seen online. They're watching videos. They're, I see it from my side clients. You know, We've done a lot of net zero you know, topics, yeah. as you've seen, especially content mm-hmm. that's out there. And a lot of clients are coming in. They want to ask. And, of course, budget's a big aspect. But the ones that want to do it understand it, and they understand why. And you know, they're really passionate about it. How much education for the, for the brand you've established now the education of you know vetting those clients that are coming in are they pretty much all now at this point with the brand that you built 100% in in line with doing sustainable interior design or is there still some education on what you do what you offer and you know how that applies to them
1: the sustainability piece is just part of our product offering so it's i mean there's so there we have hundreds of tile options in the showroom and countertops and cabinets and hardware. And so people come in and I think they're so amazed by the amount of beautiful things that it's just a, it's a side benefit kind of thing. It's like, you know, you're you're shopping in an organic food store. It's going to be amazing. The food's going to be great. And you get the benefit of it not having toxins. And so we're we're having to do very little from an education standpoint. I would say most of the clients come to us because yes, they appreciate that, but they also are getting referred to us by builders and architects that understand how we streamline the process and the sustainability is like the icing on the cake. If that makes sense, it's kind of, it really makes everything extra special for them. And they always love when we're able to tell them, Hey, this isn't going to off gas in your house for five years and be really toxic You know, that smell when you maybe go into a rental property or you've, you know, installed some cheap carpet from Home Depot and it it smells like death in your house for two weeks. You actually won't get that with our carpet and your cabinets won't smell toxic. So I think people have had those experiences where they understand that that can't be healthy and they don't want that. And, you know, with their kids and their pets. So I would say that there's not necessarily, that's not what we're. Pushing from an education standpoint, it's really just part of the package that they get. And we're happy to meet them at different levels. I should say we're not forcing them to have solar panels, but we are saying, you know, let me show you what's really amazing about these cabinets. And an added benefit for you is it's sustainable. Of course, some come to us because they're like, you carry a sustainable brand. We want that. But for some people, they're just like, oh, those are beautiful cabinets. And the benefit is they're sustainable.
0: It's funny, I think that's like marketing one on one, right? That essentially, (laughs) you're, you're building a brand and a reputation based on the qualifications that you give out, right? And any successful company is going to do that from your design book, the QR codes, the timeline, the efficiency, the organization, you know, the different aspects of your business from window coverings to the cabinetry to the design. And so there's a lot of knowledge, right? And then when people come in, and they already have this basis, you know, that's essentially the, the base of why they're hiring you. And then you say, Well, Here's the add-on, here's the icing, here's mm-hmm. the sustainability, you know, here's the um the you, you know, when you're moving in the, the wellness side. Um, yeah, that that's really what I would imagine is what tips them over, right? And and Correct. makes it a slam dunk.
1: Yeah, our focus is really that interface with clients. And so our whole mission as an interior design studio is to elevate our clients' quality of life. And we do that by not having you know, toxic off-gassing in their house, but also creating these sanctuaries where they can regenerate because you know, they're getting lots of natural light. They're getting a spa-like experience with their fixtures and you know, steam showers and aromatherapy and you know, all of these wonderful things that really kind of tip over into that biophilic design and the wellness and the health aspect that I think really goes hand in hand.
0: Uh, it's kind of funny because I was just going to ask you right now. I just had jotted down. What is biophilic design? And he just actually said that. So for those listening that have not heard that term, you know, walk us through biophilic design.
1: Yeah, biophilic design is is really a buzzword, but it's been around since the 70s. And it's the innate human desire to be connected to nature. You think about, you know, how much we love going to the ocean or, you know, being around a campfire and, uh, taking a nature walk in the park and it really rejuvenates us. And the science points to that a hundred percent. And the research just keeps coming about how it reduces our stress hormones. It increases productivity and creativity. Um, it reduces our blood pressure. And so it's a really incredible thing that they've known about and really pushed, you think, in hospitals where they're adding you know, rooftop gardens and big picture windows in hospital rooms because they know it increases healing exponentially. And so I think a lot since COVID as people have been in their houses and they realize, gosh, this isn't, this isn't a really productive, healthy place to be. Biophilic design has come to the forefront and said, look, we, we can give you the science. We can give you the answers. We can give you all these great ideas uh, to make your home a sanctuary.
0: So from a wellness side, what are you seeing? Because, um, and this really goes with the biophilic, because you know, we spoke about sustainability. We spoke about, you know, building science and net zero. So, you know, when you think about carbon footprint and, you know, are we, you know, shipping stuff all over? Are we trying to source local, mm-hmm. you know, are we, you know, recycling materials you're mentioning, uh, from the wellness side, what are you seeing from your perspective with a lot of your, I know Kohler is big on wellness right now. Um, some of the vendors and partners out there that are looking at the wellness aspect to, to mm-hmm. home living.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, um, a huge influx of European brands, especially in plumbing. So, you know, Jesse Dornbrock—they're coming at it not only from the sustainable side, but making really an incredible spa-like experience. So, the fixtures are really beautiful. They're going to be incredibly durable, but they're also going to have fabulous, huge rain rainhead showerheads. They're going to have the waterfall features. They're going to have. Um, just the level of durability and easy to clean. They're gonna have amazing finishes and textures that evoke nature. And so when you are in the shower and you just, it's more of a sensory experience. So we're doing, I would say almost 50% of our showers have, you know, in primary bathrooms particularly have that aromatherapy, steam, multiple shower heads, you know, music, infrared, technology is huge. So chromotherapy is really becoming more and more prominent, I would say.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I, from attending the builder show this last year, and I didn't have a ton of time to walk all the floors just because of, you know, the schedule we had, but my team did. And it's amazing just how wellness is becoming. And, and I've Mm -hmm. seen it too, just with, you know, I mentioned early on the VOC that clients ask about, but when you think about, um, you know, circadian lighting, right? As they're thinking about the lighting in their home, as they're thinking about the mm-hmm. the water filtration, the air filtration. I mean, these are things that natural light, of course. I mean, you mentioned with biophilic. Anyone that was listening to you speak about, you know, how do you feel at the ocean? I was thinking about, you know, fortunately, we were just in Hawaii not too long ago. And I'm like, you just feel rejuvenated, right? I mean, it's being awful. yeah, at the ocean. I, I I love the ocean. I grew up in San Diego, so I'm a little biased that way, but I love the mountains too. And there's something different about being in nature and You know, a lot of us Mm -hmm. work in long hours. You mentioned being in the hospital. I mean, that can, you know, how can we take those natural nature elements and bring them into the home, which is a huge part of what you're doing?
1: Exactly. Interior design, as an interior designer, I would say we're responsible for creating the environment that people live in. And you figure new studies come out that 90% of our time is spent indoors. That means nine tenths of the breaths we take are inside. And so having clean air, we're going to have natural light. We're going to have, you know, if that skylights, it's large picture windows. Um, we're going to have art and furnishings that have organic elements to them that mimic nature. We're going to have organic textures, lots of wood tones, earth colors, and so as a designer, that's really what we work to put together is how do we kind of blur the lines between the indoor and outdoor? You know, you think of in Arizona those incredible indoor outdoor spaces and the outdoor entertaining is, is a huge industry that's exploded, I would say since COVID, as people realize that they need to have a bigger footprint. They can't just be inside all day. And if you can't go anywhere, where do you extend? And so how do we incorporate those natural elements and people are noticing that they feel better, that they can you know have a better work-life balance and all of these things. It's just so many benefits.
0: So how did you get involved with Nordstrom doing 142 stores?
1: <laughs> so, uh, when we moved to Seattle a few years ago, um, I had worked at a residential design firm and it was just one of those things where I was like, you know, I could be really good at this and I love the Nordstrom brand and what they stand for. And, um, I've grown up shopping at Nordstrom my whole life and so went and kind of, somehow made my way up to the top to the director of store design and showed him my portfolio. And he said, great, let's do it. And so I ended up, you know, traveling all over the U S managing stores. They flew me out to Italy to design some custom tile for the uh, Seattle flagship store. That was super amazing. And
0: is that why is it real quick? Is the Seattle flagship store? Is that how you got up, you know, to the right person or where did so the right person's there back in your home, you know, Mm -hmm. hometown.
1: Exactly, corporate offices right here in Seattle, so um, they're pretty centralized here, and and so it was just kind of one of those faded things, and it ended up making a lot of great connections that have then carried over into my showroom as well, because the the Nordstrom brand just opened so many doors. So,
0: are you still involved network? in Nordstrom?
1: I'm not anymore. I do completely residential, but I actually do work for some of the executives were just wrapping up a kitchen remodel for one of the Nordstrom executives that I um, reported to for store design. So
0: how did that impact, you know, working with Nordstrom? Um, I would imagine, especially you, you mentioned Italy, so you're in different countries. Um, you know, there has to be a lot of versatility I'd imagine in the store designs. I mean, there's probably some consistency um, as well. How did that differentiate your scope of work between you know, the vision you had, maybe the culture or location, you're, you know, as well as kind of the corporate, you know, idea or template that they had, you know, that w- was there a lot of variability, you know, flexibility in design, or did they want to stay pretty consistent?
1: They had really a holistic view of what they wanted the stores to feel like. And so there would be, you know, a pretty consistent palette of, you know, warm grays and beiges and creams and it was very understated palette and then they would layer on you know, all of the amazing clothing and they would have some art curated displays. So it was really about creating this um, textural backdrop for the clothing. And so I learned a lot about um, the amount of detail that goes into specifying a single store. So I was responsible for every material selection that happened in a store. And you know, some of the stores we would roll out and we would do you know five the same. And some of them uh, would be different the next round. But it really, I learned a lot about interfacing with architects and builders and walking those job sites and understanding how the choices I made as a designer then impacted the builder and impacted the architect and ultimately the consumer. In a very real time, you know, we got feedback on the choices that I made. And so we learned a lot about longevity. Um, which is then translated into the sustainable standpoint for me as well.
0: How how did that experience prepare you, you know, as a business owner now, because it sounds like you were working for a firm. So you had experience, you know, understanding the process of design and working with clients, you know, you go work for Nordstrom and have that experience. Now you're on your own, you know, that journey of working for somebody and then especially Nordstrom, how did that catapult you?
1: It, Helped me realize that I have uh, a knack for working with professional executives, VPs, that I can interface with that kind of high pressure personality, the very um, structured, timeline driven personality type that has influenced the number, the sheer number of processes that we have in our our um, business plan now. So. What I do is I've learned to create a framework for running the design firm that allows me ultimate creativity with the design itself. So because I know exactly what the next phase is and the client understands the cadence, then that means that that we can collaborate and have more of a synergistic relationship with the builders and architects that maybe we wouldn't have if we were still on the back end trying to figure out our processes and, you know, getting stressed out by, you know, type A executive personalities. So it's, it's allowed me to create a niche in the community, which is great because most of my clients are here with Amazon, Microsoft, Google, Expedia. You know, we have a lot of the big tech companies based out of Seattle and they love seeing a Gantt chart. They love seeing a spreadsheet. They love, you know, so it's, it's easy for us to make that transition from the commercial to the residential.
0: Yeah. It's, it's funny to bring that up because so much of business life especially as when you're an entrepreneur and you're running your business as you are Sarah's you know confidence um you know as you're standing in front of a client no matter how um no matter what the personality is of the client and and their net worth it doesn't matter but if you have confidence in your systems and process and who you are and, and understanding you know what's going to complete the project successfully um there's no substitute for that and I can only imagine that Having worked, you know, with Nordstrom at that level, how that's prepared, you know, as you're having these conversations and sometimes tough conversation with your clients, you Mm -hmm. know, setting realistic expectations.
1: Yeah, it's been, it was brilliant. It was a brilliant experience. And I had had a handful of years in the residential design sector before working for someone else. And so I I had that background going into uh, the commercial side. And so I was really able to appreciate the differences of, okay, you know, timelines and budgets when you're dealing in the multi-millions. Those decisions and those delays really matter.
0: So with, um, Nordstrom and where you're at now, and it's, you know, you spend a lot of work, you know, um, understanding sustainability and wellness in your designs. Have you looked at, um, chat GPT or AI? Has that had any impact on kind of the direction and, and stuff you're working on?
1: Yes and no. I, I think that, um, it's a fascinating thing to see. We definitely keep up on it because, you know, we're in such a tech area and we use it, I would say, as uh, an advisory type thing. Like it's really interesting for us to be able to, you know, put together a newsletter for our clients and, you know, kind of get a little bit of additional information, you know, pull some facts together really rapidly and, and understand the market trends. But I think um, the, Thing that clients really need from a designer is someone that listens to them and can extrapolate what it is they want from very little information because these people are not designers they're they're usually not even in a creative field and so if they were to you know leverage an AI it it wouldn't be able to necessarily create a holistic design based around health and wellness and you know, well-being and comfort and all of these things that, as a human, we're able to provide uh, for people. And so I think that in a creative field, it, it has a lot of benefits as an advisory role, but I I think it comes down to, at the end of the day, it's creating someone's sanctuary, and there's only so much AI can do for that.
0: Yeah, and I, I would agree with that. It's interesting because I've known some um, designers and architects, and even another builder who is messing around with AI, um, you know, how quickly they can put out a design or architectural right. plan. Um, and although there's some basis to that, as you mentioned, there's a human connection. And, and the reality is so much of business and life is that human connection that a lot of us miss, not just from, for you, it's definitely a lot more personal, right? As you're going through something that's really intimate, right? How they're going to be living day to day. And, you know, the wellness aspect is really hard to replicate that without a personal, you know, feel that you have. Um, but even just a relationship side, you know, human connection, there, there's a lot of value. I look at it for our team. You know, how are we communicating with our suppliers and designers and trade partners? And there's no doubt that in the past we made some mistakes. And you know, that human connection. Um, th- there is a reason that um, you know that human connection plays such a role. You know, in the success of our companies and just us as humans. You know, for some for as long as we've been here. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I would say some of the most successful products that the clients are talking about for years after are those that are made by an artisan that we custom designed with them and we detailed out because we really sat with them and listened to what the vision that they wanted was. And, and that's really, I would say, the success of our studio and designers in general, that at the level where clients are discerning, they've maybe traveled the world, they've maybe stayed in you know the top hotels in the world and they've seen some of the incredible, beautiful things, they want to bring that collected feeling back to their homes and and showcase some of those elements and how do we best do that? Well, you know, it's a process and it's a study that we do where we draw out multiple iterations and we're always making sure that it flows, that it, you know, is to code and all these things that maybe AI isn't capable of at least yet.
0: So, your biggest frustration with those contractors?
1: (laughs) I would say that I love working with contractors. Honestly, the collaboration makes my job a lot easier and I always find it's a synergistic relationship where we, you know, push each other to do better. I would say it's not really a frustration. It's just, you know, sometimes we put together a 200 page spec book and not every page gets appreciated and actually handed off to the subcontractors. And so we end up kind of, you know, doing a few more site visits and fielding some more phone calls that maybe we didn't need to, but, at the end of the day, I think that the level of detail that we provide is still new for some contractors. And um, so we're, we're happy to walk through that with people as they kind of get more comfortable what to expect from our spec books.
0: So what you're saying is that, you know, you're spending all this time, QR codes, design book, all the sustainable product and then the builders out there making their own interpretation and sometimes missing
1: stuff. <laughs> sometimes that happens and yeah. you know, it nothing worse than, you know, having to do it twice. You yeah. know, I think that's the real beauty of the spec book is we're able to help the client see their design in 3d. And, you know, sometimes we'll do video fly throughs of the space so that they can really understand the design intent and see it come to life. And then, You know, it's always hard when they get on site and they're like, oh, wasn't that supposed to be over there? And so, you know, that's a little setback, but we're, you know, each day gets better.
0: So how do you manage your stress? You know, as an entrepreneur and business owner (laughs) and with your new showroom?
1: Well, I would say spending time with the kids. I have three kids and um, at the end of the day, that's really why I do what I do is so that I can have the flexibility to with them when you know they have events when they have you know things that they want to do during the day i'm able to break away and and go hang out and be a part of their lives and that's really important to me is you know understanding that i have a family and that family connection and i think that helps me be a better designer as i work with professionals that often have families as well
0: yeah there's something to that i think that's a really good point that you brought up um You know, so many times I'm with different entrepreneurs of any business, right? And the big thing is, well, how do you find the right clientele? How do you find the ideal client? And there are metrics, right, that we all have based on different demographics or experiences we've had, you know, and and all related to me as a builder. You know, I can really categorize, you know, certain things, whether expectations we set or didn't set or, you know, what does the client look like? Um, But there's something to be said about the similarities, right? What we have in mm-hmm. common. And as you mentioned, where I find the most success too, when I have clients that are entrepreneurs that have built businesses. And you said this earlier, you're working with a lot of clients there that are with Amazon and Microsoft that understand processes, that understand, you know, that that's what made their company successful. I mean, they're very mm-hmm. process centric, like a lot mm-hmm. of my clients. And so when you have that, there's a connection there and clients can appreciate that project management and that organization. And when they have families, you know, they're going to be a little bit more kind. And I've always found that our clients are a little bit more when they meet my kids or my wife, they're a little bit different. Not that they weren't great before, but it's definitely more, going back to that human connection, it's a little bit different.
1: It is. It is. In fact, my husband just recently left T-Mobile corporate, which is also headquartered in Seattle to work with my business, running the window treatment side, because it's, it's grown so much. I can't manage it anymore on my own. Um, And so he's running that and, I think people actually really enjoy when they know it's my husband coming out to take care of them for their window treatments because they know that, A, he has a tech background and a lot of processes and project management experience. But B, he's my husband and he's going to treat them like people instead of you know a big box store number um, that they're, they're already connected to me. And so he, he I think they feel like they'll get taken care of really well.
0: Oh, that's so how's that been that relationship with him joining the team?
1: It's great. It's great. A lot of people do not like working with their spouses. And I actually really enjoy (laughs) it. But note how he's in a separate division. He is not doing anything with the interior design side. He's, uh, he's running his own division. And I tell him, it's your business, you run it how you want. And we'll have weekly meetings to talk about, you know, how things work together. And, you know, no, you can't publish a newsletter that looks like that, and you know <laughs> <laughs> things like that. But uh, it's really fun, and I think our kids really enjoy it too. Our oldest is eleven, and you know she gets to to help do some paperwork and marketing, and so it's it's actually turning into a little bit of a family business. And we have, I should say, you know, eight other employees, but um, it is still a family business at its core.
0: It's funny. I was going to ask you actually before you mentioned that your husband's not working with you. I was going to ask because you earlier on, you said you had three kids. I'll so have any of the kids shown interest. And it sounds like, well, whether they want to or not, I mean, they're kind of participating.
1: Yeah. yeah they get roped in. Um, you know, it's not uncommon for, you know, we'll be going to softball and, Oh, I got to drop this sample off at a client's house. So here we go, you know, just on the way home and they're used to, Oh, you're going to a client's house. You know, the words they learn, like you know showroom and clients and, consultations, you know, very young age, they've become aware of that. And, um, you know, ultimately I think it's their, their understanding that, you know, mom and dad have a certain kind of work-life balance and they get included in it so that we can spend time with them. Sorry, what was that?
0: Oh, any mentors, like a mentor that you've had in your life. Yeah.
1: Sorry, it broke up right there. Um, I would say, there's a lot of people that I admire from a business standpoint as well, and then other people that I admire from a design standpoint. And it's been interesting for me to learn how to bridge that gap between the two. Um, You know, Michael Graves is a architect designer, and he really championed the sustainability in his designs. And even so far as legislation around, um, you know, non-toxic things and so he, he was a really incredible forerunner, did incredible work as well, very talented. And so I admire people like that. You know, I also um, have a soft spot for Martha Stewart, other than the embezzling thing that, she, you know, she really is an incredible entrepreneur in the home industry market and, you know, how she's branded herself and, you know, been able to really impact a lot of of industries that I'm a part of. So I enjoy enjoy that um, aspect, but I'm always amazed by, you know, people like you that have built this incredible Instagram following. And I think there's just a lot of really incredible um, influencers out there, not in like the weird social media sense, but uh, people that are focused on collaboration in the industry, other designers that are choosing to share what used to be, you know, 10, 15 years ago, secrets, trade secrets, you know, we're at open book, there's work for everybody and projects enough to go around. So let's share and collaborate and make the industry bigger and better.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. You know, the, the mentality abundance, as opposed to, um, or I'm sorry, the, yeah, the mentality of abundance as opposed to scarcity. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about collaboration and I've seen, I, I saw it early on. I, you know, I think designers were definitely, ahead of us contractors that even social media has really accelerated that and helped just the networking and stuff. Cause I've been able to meet some amazing contractors, but, and then really, you know, also I've had a lot of contractors have a huge impact on me, right. That I've met through the platform. In fact, my builder 20 Giloni in Ohio found me through Instagram and invited me there. So, I mean, but I've seen the designers and especially here, even in Phoenix, you know, we have a lot of designers and they network and they get together and they have coffee and brunch and, you know, it's really neat to see that, um, so many in the professional field, it, you know, are collaborating and, you know, there's a lot of work out there and they're trying to lift the industry because it's not going to get easier for you. And I think, you know, the one thing that you and I are always going to have to do with Sarah is that, you know, labor, material, um, you know, manufacturing, it's going to be a challenge in our field and there's going to always be a demand. And, you know, for me, I, I see more and more the labor Concern right as we're losing a lot and not as many mm-hmm. coming in. So I know a lot of young people now that are foregoing college and going straight to trade school and becoming plumbers and you know electricians and framers and trim carpenters. I'm like, hey, there's going to be a lot of work and a lot of opportunity for you. Trust me, because Sarah and myself will need you in in the years to come. So,
1: hundred percent, hundred percent, and it's it's great. And I think you know that's what we're trying to instill in our kids is you know, be an entrepreneur. You don't have to do the traditional route of going to college and going and working for someone else, um, at least indefinitely. So I think there's a lot to be said of, um, you know, we used to do events at the showroom where designers would come and we would have a product spotlight where, you know, Philip Jeffries would come in and talk about their new launches and just being able to have camaraderie and understand that, you know, some people are hard to work with and to have that support network of, other people to understand that, you know, that when you're designing someone's space and it's such an intimate relationship and, um, you know, some clients get that better than others. And so just having that camaraderie is invaluable and the people are sharing behind the scenes what goes on in projects. I know I've learned so much from contractors such as yourself that, you know, post the behind the scenes and not just the final pretty picture so that other people in the industry can learn or adjacent industries can understand you know how do you put in those recess cans (laughs) you know just Mm -hmm. things that are so commonplace to you but really invaluable
0: yeah i love that and um you know i want to be sensitive to your time too sarah as you've been so gracious today um what do you have that's upcoming and exciting because i would say the design showroom but i mean that's been um (laughs) years in the making so yeah you know what else is on the forecast
1: you know, we just recently partnered with Lux Magazine. We got published actually in the um, issue that went out yesterday. So that's been just, you know, really rewarding for us to be part of, you know, that incredible community. And um, our goal is to just let people know that there are incredible sustainable options for high-end homes and custom homes, but, you know, it's not exclusive to that anymore either, that those beautiful solutions are out there. And so we're really trying to use our showroom as a platform to talk about that and um, just launched a program that I mentioned last week where, you know, we plant a tree for every window covering order with our showroom. And so just trying to make a difference, you know, the, I would just feel remiss knowing what I know. My dad is a environmental biologist. And, and, um, so I was raised with that, like what's going on with climate change. And I, I want to be able to share that with people that there are really great alternatives that are actually going to improve their quality of life.
0: So just like your suppliers, you're doing the same thing, plant a tree. That's pretty neat.
1: We're trying. Yeah. We're, we're coming up with as many wonderful things as we can to really make a difference. And we have some incredible projects. We have one in Rancho Santa Fe that's a Love big it. equestrian estate and mm-hmm. then a couple locally that are, you know, large homes, but, you know, being able to put those finishing touches and, work on them from the ground up is so rewarding.
0: It's fun to be in Rancho Santa Fe. I, you know, in high school got to work there doing, you know, some homes as an electrician. And that's kind of what um, excited me about doing construction was, you know, that's where I started as a young teenager growing up in San Diego. But um, um, how fun. So for those listening, how can they find you, Sarah?
1: So nuanceinteriors.com. And there's a free resource on our page at nuanceinteriors.com slash resource where you can download some of our favorite um, vendor information, ones that we carry in the showroom and also other websites that have compiled lists and directories. So just to make it easy and friction-free as you're double checking certifications um, or looking for ideas of new vendors, also on Instagram at Nuance Interiors, we'd love to connect.
0: Well, Sarah, you've been incredible. Can't thank you enough. Thank and you. Uh, Appreciate you sharing all the insight on sustainability and wellness.
1: Thank you so much. And we appreciate all you're doing for the industry with Net Zero. It's inspiring.
0: If you give value from the show, please support us by giving a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you listen to. And I also have a favorite ask. We've had some incredible guests that come on and share their wisdom, their knowledge about their business. So if you have friends or family members that could benefit from those episodes, please share it with them, as well as any other business owners that you're networking with that could get value from the podcast or certain episodes, please share those as well. Again, subscribe, make sure you're following any questions that you have topics. We've had uh, listeners reach out about certain guests that we should have on the show. Again, brad.l at aftconstruction.com. Email me for topics to address guests that we should have on. And even if you think you'd be a great guest for the show. So again, thank you for all your support and we'll see you next time.